0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
2: And welcome to the show you know, I'm starting first by thanking you. You got you are great listeners. You know that? You are. To be able to move this show up the way you did, but I know why you're a great listeners, so it's because you care about quality of life for Americans with disabilities and people with disabilities throughout the world. That's why. But I really want to thank you. For me today, this is really a special day. Because I have one of my very personal champions on the show today, a woman that I have looked up to for years, and I still do today. And I'm going to tell you right now that, you know, when Marca Bristow was the head of the NCD and when I first got involved in the disability community over a decade ago, I want to tell you, when I met her, oh, my God, I was so inspired by her. <laughs> and I used to say to myself, that's my role model. I want to be like Marca. She's got fire, integrity. That's my person. I never told her that, but I'm telling her now. And she is the best of the best. She is, by the way, in our world, you don't have to say Marca Bristow. You just say Marca. If you just say Marca... Everyone knows who you are talking about. She is the president and CEO of Access Living in Chicago, known throughout the world for her work internationally in disability rights. Marga, it is truly an honor to have you on this show. Thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you, Joyce. And thank you for that kind and not deserved invitation, uh, introduction.
2: Now, you're hearing her say that. You know why? She's like uh, was mentee right arm to Justin Dart, and he would be saying the same thing she's saying right now. So that's just how she is, but she does deserve it. And, you know, in our world, we've got to get with it. People with our disability history, we have a culture, too. We need to know about our civil rights leaders, and one of them is on here right now. I'm just telling you so you know. Um, and, Marka, I know you, unfortunately, were very sad that you could not join us a few weeks ago in Washington, D.C., when Bender Consulting gave the um, Tony Quello Award to Mr. Senator Durbin, and Senator Durbin, may I say, we all love very much, but the Quello Award is given to either a CEO, government leader, or uh, an executive that has hired people or influenced the employment of people with disabilities. So, since you were not there, I thought I'd give you a chance to talk about that on the air.
3: Well, first I'd like to say that uh, Tony Quello and Senator Durbin are two of my heroes uh, and very, very different in their approach uh, Senator Durbin from my state is one of those people who will never uh, have his name out in front necessarily attached to any disability legislation. He does things much more quietly behind the scenes, but I know that uh, things like the ADA Restoration Act would not have been possible if it hadn't been for that kind of uh, behind-the-scenes important influential work he did to assist us with that. And then, of course, my good friend, Tony Coelho. Um Tony is a person who has mentored so many of us and opened so many doors with us and for us. Um, but what I remember more than anything about Tony was during the campaign to
4: uh,
3: pass the Americans with Disabilities Act, Tony, along with Justin, reached out to disabled people all over the country and asked us to touch the scar tissue of our lives. Those were his words. To bring forward our stories of discrimination and share them with members of Congress and the general public so that people would understand what it was like to spend a day in the life of people with disabilities. And those discrimination diaries uh, really became the material from which the Americans with Disabilities Act was crafted. I was very proud to be in Washington last week and see Uh, those very uh, diaries in a box (laughs) um, still there carrying that reminder of how much work we have done, but how much more work we still have to do.
2: Wow. What what an honor to see that, huh? Oh, That must have been great. Well, I know that you um, are very close to Senator Durbin, and he most certainly has uh, and was instrumental in the ADA Amendments Act And when he spoke that day, he said, you know, people are coming up to me and they're saying, well, you know, have a hard time right now hiring people with disabilities because of the economy and, you know, getting things going. And I say, well, will we say that about any other group? That just doesn't make sense.
3: And and I understand and uh, am delighted to be able to help my senator that he is wanting to uh, lead an effort within the Senate to promote the hiring of people with disabilities in the Senate, and I know that Tony and I will be very happy to provide our assistance to him in that effort. Um, I I think that we need all the leaders we can get, especially in this period of time, to demonstrate their continued commitment to the hiring of disabled people. Um, The unemployment rate of our community is appalling. And I've always thought that if we were to wake up one morning and see the New York Times headline, declare that unemployment rate for any other population, any other population, it would be a national crisis. And the fact that it isn't speaks to how much unemployment and disability have been so joined on, at the hip as if to be one and the same. We know that's not true. We know the potential of people with disabilities to do practically every kind of job under the sun. Um, And yet, uh, we still face not only discriminatory barriers, but quite a few barriers in the education and training and transition supports uh, that are so needed if people are gonna have a fair chance at those kind of jobs.
2: And you know what? That is so true what Mark is saying, because every time I go somewhere now, if someone says, can you imagine, the unemployment rate could go up to 10%. I say, oh, yeah, I could imagine that very well. I can imagine way beyond that, because Americans with significant disabilities have been living with extremely high unemployment for a long time. But you know what, folks? We've got to change that. We've got to change that, and we've got to be the change. We've got to be the change. We've got to stop waiting for everyone to do that for us. Uh, Marca, I think that you know that they announced that even in our federal government that currently only 0.88% are employees with significant disabilities. How the heck do you think that happened?
3: Well, I think there has been, over time, an erosion of support for it. When I was chair of the National Council on Disability, uh, we worked to try to amplify the use of the Schedule A appointment authority. Um, This is an opportunity that uh, people with disabilities have to essentially move a little further to the front of the line in the federal hiring process. And certain categories of people with disabilities were excluded from that process. We were able to make some improvements um i I really think it takes leadership from the top to uh, maintain a level of commitment within the federal government. and I'm uh, very, very hopeful that President Obama has sent out some important signals through the hiring of christine Griffin as as number two at the Office of Personnel Management. Um, we really have great confidence in Chris's ability to move things and really, look forward to some really important uh, policy and uh, outreach efforts to move forward that goal of significantly increasing the numbers of people with disabilities in the federal workforce. But you're absolutely right that change only happens when a united disability community uh, is working towards that. And I have not uh, seen uh, as much attention turned to the issue of employment by the activist community, as I'm beginning to see right now. It's as if the first, oh, 10 or 15 years of our advocacy had to go into just the basic leveling of the playing field, making it illegal to discriminate, removing some of the barriers such as transportation, physical accessibility. And now the work really has to turn towards much more progressive concepts to promote Uh, the employment of people with disabilities.
2: You got that right. I'll tell you what, we had a wonderful event this this weekend which is the Bender Family Picnic with all of our employees with disabilities there and you know it's just such a wonderful day. It really is. Well our employees in this region that is, if I had them all there I don't know where we'd have to go because we wouldn't fit in that grove but you know what, one of my employees no longer works for me, drove up from South Carolina, and he was talking to me, and this is a very talented man with cerebral palsy, very talented, Uh, and he actually works for one of my best customers, CSC, and he was walking with his uh, crutches out out of his Jeep when he was putting gas in his Jeep, and he said, this man looked over at him and he said, wow, pretty nice Jeep you have there for living on disability. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. And he, and he said, who's on disability? I work. I'm employed. But see, folks? See, folks? That was only two weeks ago that that happened. That's what I mean about how we've got to change the work face of America. No more waiting. We've got to do our part. And with that... We're going to go to break for a minute, and then we'll be right back with the great Marka Bristow. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be right back.
0: mom dad how long should i wait for you mom if i'm at soccer practice what if something happens will you come get me there's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack
4: mom if you're not home should we go to the neighbor's house
0: and some extremely good reasons why you should can you tell me Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council.
1: An ordinary sunny day. An ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids. And they were doing... nothing. They were couch-slouching. They were rug-imitating. And lazy-minute after... Lazy minute was passing them by, when suddenly...
0: Huh? Hey, guys, that's a personal foul. Inactive activity on a sunny day.
1: Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Players don't get lazy penalties. Let's play. Those kids, they listened to Reggie. They got up and played, they did. There was fun and running. There were smiles and jumping. And laziness was crushed.
0: Hey, kids, don't get a
1: lazy penalty. Kids, listen to Reggie and avoid lazy penalties. Be a player. Get up and play for an hour a day. Go online to check out smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player, too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Be a player.
5: I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: And welcome back. If you just joined us, we have a great guest today, Marka Bristow, President and CEO of Access Living. And I was so honored, Marka, that I too was invited uh Friday, July 24th, 2009, to see President Obama sign the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. I mean, wow, what a wonderful day and historic day, but great for the entire disability community. I wanted to ask you, Marka, what did that mean to you that day?
3: Well, as an American who's been involved not only with disability issues but um, trying to work on the global uh, promotion of the development of disability organizations worldwide, I felt proud that the United States was um, joining the rest of the country in supporting this important treaty. Uh, President Obama had made this a campaign commitment. Um, And we were extraordinarily happy to see that he delivered on that commitment. You know, there's 650 million people with disabilities, nearly 10% of the world's population who lack the most basic human rights because uh, they have disabilities. Um, All over the world, people with disabilities have been joining uh, each other to try to change things. and to many in many respects they will tell you that the catalyst for that change and for their inspiration and their hope was the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act here in the US in fact many will um, give credit to the ADA as being the inspiration behind this uh treaty so we believe that uh president obama's uh commitment to sign and Ambassador Rice's signing of the treaty on July 30th, uh, is in the best spirit of the American principles of equality and human rights for all people. And while we lead the world in extending equal rights to people with disabilities, we know we have a lot more to do here at home. Uh, I think it's important to note, though, that we have really uh, put in place a uh, a network of laws that move us forward here that other countries around the world are only aspiring to. So we're also looking forward to the U.S. Senate, and when the president sends this over, to come together in the same spirit of bipartisan cooperation and ratify the convention in a swift manner.
2: Now, Mark, at this uh, UN convention, a question that I have for you is, how did this convention come about in the first place? Well,
3: it's it's a story that goes back uh, a good 20 years. Um, in 1980, the United Nations passed something called the Decade for the Disabled, and there were a lot of uh, uh, opportunities during that year to shine a light on the plight of people with disabilities. Uh, during the period that followed that, Disabled Persons Organizations, called NGOs, non-governmental organizations around the world, started to form and started to work collaboratively with each other. Over the years, the UN passed several other um, uh, instruments, um, not binding instruments, but uh, other things that caused our community to use uh, those tools as leverage to move forward change. Um, as a result, more and more communication between disabled persons organizations from all different corners of the earth started to happen. And um, over time, those organizations, uh, organizations like the World Federation of the Deaf, the World Blind Union, Disabled Persons International, RI, uh, Inclusion International, and others, uh came together in the year 2000 in Beijing and called for uh, a treaty uh banning discrimination on the rights of people with disabilities. Um, we have those fundamental human rights uh already and they are um, they are protected through other UN treaty documents. However, as we learned here in the US existing civil rights laws sometimes, or human rights laws, sometimes really miss the mark when it comes to um, remedying that discrimination. So the UN Convention was a joint effort on the part of many, many, many organizations and, uh, you know, 200 countries that worked together over a five-year period to craft uh, this important document.
2: Well, you know what, uh, Mark, that is truly a wonderful thing that happened. I think we have a caller on the line. Do we have a caller on the line right now? Sandy are you on here? Oh, yes, yeah. Sandy Fanukin. Hey Sandy, Hi, how are you? Hi Marka, how are you? Hi Joyce, wonderful. how are you? I'm good, Sandy. Nice to hear your voice. You have a question for Marka. Yeah, um I wanted actually um I may be jumping ahead here, Mark and
3: you were going to answer this, but I was wondering um now that Uh, President Obama has signed the convention. What can advocates be doing to encourage their senators to um, uh, join in ratifying the convention? Great question, Sandy. I think the first and most important thing is read it. Become familiar with it. Understand um, its significance. Right now, 142 countries have signed the convention, A handful have ratified. Um, What that means is countries who agree to become uh, parties to the convention agree to adhere to its requirements. Um, As soon as the document is sent over to the Senate, but not quite yet, um, individuals from around the country could start to let their senators know how important this is to people here at home. So can you give us a timeline for when that might happen? I don't think we know yet, Sandy. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, the process of reviewing uh, U.S. law up against the U.N. Convention is underway by the administration. The next thing that will happen is the president will send a package over to the Senate uh, requesting their their consideration of that package. Okay. Um, the, A treaty, when when the U.S. uh, examines it for consideration, may have what are called reservations, understandings, and declarations, otherwise known as RUDs. Um, The process of developing those are still in the works within the administration. So um, we're hoping that this will be taking place expeditiously, but we don't have a timeline as of right now. Okay, thank you.
2: Sandy, uh, yeah. maybe, I, I just wanted to mention, this is Sandy Finucane with the Epilepsy Foundation, but I just wanted to congratulate you on winning the Justice for All Award from the American Association of People with Disabilities. Thank you. It was Me great too, honor.
3: Sandy. Oh, thank and you, I know your capable leadership and strategy work uh, is a big part of why the ADA Restoration Act uh, passed. I know that um, uh, Tony is very uh, committed to working on the convention, and we're really eager to have uh, your assistance and your wisdom as we go through this process. Well, I'm very much looking forward to the future ratification. That's for
2: sure. Hey, Sandy, thank you so much for calling in. Okay. Take care, everybody. Uh, All right. All right. Thank you. Um, I have, before we go to break... I have this question for you from uh, Kansas City, from Tony. And that is, Marka. I just wanted to ask you one thing. Do you feel that there is an initiative right now across the country to encourage young people with disabilities to become advocates as it was before? Um, you know, I'm sure different parts of the
3: country are at different levels with this, but I can say right here in my hometown of Chicago, uh, we have a vibrant uh community of young people uh, just this morning at our staff meeting um uh the Amber Smock who works with our young uh people announced that they were organizing a uh rally day in our state capital where our young people could add their voices to those of uh the broader disability community about how some of our statewide budget cuts are affecting People with disabilities. So, I think it's incumbent upon all of us who've been working in the broad area of disability to go back home and ask ourselves the question: Are we doing that? Are we reaching the next generation of people with disabilities? Because if we don't, we are really um, have dooming our movement. Um, Disability, unlike other um, protected classes, does not necessarily, although it can, pass from one generation to the next and in our own families, and therefore we have to behave as if in the disability rights movement, as if we're the family of origin and pass down to the next generation, but not only the tools but also the challenges so that they will be able to pick up where we leave off and move forward our agenda in ways that we have not yet contemplated. And, and as a, a person who's from the, that earlier generation, they bring with them tools that many of us uh, were not raised with. For example, the degree of uh, dexterity that the next generation has in using all the social media tools far surpasses what a lot of us older folks learned. Um, my children are so much more adept in using technology, and that is going to be the wave of the future, and we have a responsibility to figure out how we keep that technology maximally accessible. That is with all right. Disabilities.
2: That, those social networks have to be accessible Also, and with that, listen, we're going to go to break and then we'll be right back with Marca. This is Joyce Bender, America's voice, where disability matters don't go away. We'll be right back.
1: Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll free. 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. I'm
5: Garcelle beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and 1 in 10 Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000.
0: Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on it's called sand and it's everywhere this woman may sound silly to you and me it's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks teeny little pieces of rocks but to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him <laughs> she makes perfect sense how does it feel when you touch the sand? is it warm? Uh huh. it's hard to hold in your hand isn't it? Mm-hmm. learning starts long before school does and children are naturally curious they want to learn So follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments.
4: Is this water? No.
0: Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food, it's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter
5: sandwich.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
5: If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: Welcome back. And you know what? I knew this would happen. I have Marca on today, Marca Bristow, and you know. I am so excited to have her on, but how did I know the show would go so fast? We've been able to talk about half the things we want to, but uh, we just, at break, Marco remembered something she wanted to talk about. Go ahead, Marco. I just wanted to um,
3: let the listeners know
2: that th- those
3: that are interested in following or becoming more involved with the UN Convention Strategy, uh, one website you can go to is the United States International Council on Disability USICD.org. I serve currently as the president of that organization, which is one of the organizations that will be helping to coordinate the ratification strategy in partnership with other organizations who've got uh, demonstrated interest in this area, not only in the disability community, but in the broader human rights community. So you can look forward to um, learning more information about the ratification process as we go forward through used and um, we are a membership organization, and our membership supports the important work that we do. Uh, therefore, if listeners are interested in obtaining more information about how to become a member of used you can secure that also off the website.
2: Okay. What is that website? One more time
3: usicd.org.
2: usicd.org. Okay. Well, I, I would encourage everyone to do that because you know something that always bothers me is that many times in our community we forget how you really you need to be educated. You know, just as even Marcus said before, start by reading this. You know, if you don't educate yourself, if you don't do that you aren't going to understand the implications of so many things. So I would really encourage all of our listeners to uh, go to that website and to become a member. And And one of the things,
3: Joyce, that I think is going to happen more and more, I'm already seeing the tip of the iceberg. As the convention takes hold in other countries and as different countries' foreign assistance programs start to support the development of disabled persons organizations. We are going to start to get more and more inquiries from people around the world about what are best practices here in the US. We're going to have more requests for people to come and spend some time as fellows or interns or come on study tours. Um, This is a great opportunity for our local organizations to share what we've learned, but also to create those partnerships with colleagues from all over the world. It's nothing motivates me more than being able to feel that sense of interconnectedness with disabled people from all over the world. Uh, you know, we may not be able to speak each other's language, but we know the universe, universality of the disability experience. And sometimes you don't even need to know each other's language to understand what the issues are. And I think we have a responsibility to our sisters and brothers uh, around the world to do our part and to learn from the important advances that some of them have made. My I, Center I, my I, center I, for Independent Living here in Chicago has hosted numerous um, delegations from other countries, and it's made us better.
2: I think that is fantastic because it's like with epilepsy. I always say about this when we speak about the global connection. I tell them, look, I may not speak the language, but I got news for you. A seizure is a seizure, no matter where you are. And um, I just last week spoke at the uh, ASSET conference that does training for people who want to become technologists, such as EEG technologists. And I was so enthralled that they are doing work also, um, although it's starting small, but that they are doing work in China. And uh, actually, you know, I am going to be excited to be involved with this because there are parts of the world where, of course, without training, without uh, medicine, it is horrifying what happens to you with epilepsy. And I'm also getting involved in our international uh, epilepsy community, so I, I agree with you 100%, Marco, what you're saying. And anything I can do for you from that standpoint, do not hesitate uh, to call me. But one, one thing I do want to talk about is your work in Chicago. How about if we start by you, you explaining to everyone what is a Center for Independent Living? Uh, Simply
3: put, a center for independent living is a community organization run by and for people with all different disabilities with the goal of empowering people to see themselves as deserving of the rights and services and supports that everybody else takes for granted and advocating to make social change in their communities so that people with disabilities can really take advantage of all that their communities have to offer. Uh, We do so through four core services, information and referral, peer support, independent living skill training, and advocacy. And there are, I bet, probably about 500 centers for independent living throughout the United States. Um, They are now emerging all over the world. Um, and we are united through a national organization called the National Council on Independent Living through whom we do a lot of our advocacy as well as our uh, sort of technical assistance supporting um, our organizations.
2: I have noticed something, Marca, and I don't know because I wasn't involved with the movement uh, as you were from so early on, but have you seen or noticed more and more people heading up these independent living centers as people who do not have disabilities? You know, this
3: has been an ongoing issue in our movement uh, since the centers were formed. Um, you know, I don't like to use a broad a broad stroke on anything uh, because there are some tremendously talented people who have worked in Centers for Independent Living as their directors uh, and done a really good job. I do, however, think that part of what... Um, uh, a Center for Independent Living is trying to do is spread a message. And um, through uh, practice as well as symbolism, um, every opportunity we have to demonstrate that disabled people are capable leaders, uh, running uh, large organizations effectively, we need to take. So I do think that this is an issue that's been around for a long time, it'll probably be around forever. There's nothing in our founding statute that precludes, uh, persons who aren't disabled from running our organizations. And as I said, there's some very fine, uh, directors out there who are, who are every bit as committed to the same principles that we are. Um, I don't know if that's answered your question. Yes, yes, right? and I
2: agree with you. You know, I am not one to stereotype anything, but you know, I I just think we've got to have examples of leadership with people with disabilities as often as we can. There are exceptions to the rule. I guarantee. I I agree with that one hundred percent. But I just wondered what you thought about that. It reminds me of even you know when I when when Tony Quello. At the Epilepsy Foundation said, "Hey, look folks, over the past fifty years we've only had two chairs with epilepsy, and I 'm one of them him and so now on we're going to have through our executive committee an emphasis on recruiting people with epilepsy to be the chair and that and it's so wonderful now we have done that, and we have many, many board members and people on our executive committee you know with epilepsy but Um, I agree with what you're saying. And and since we're talking about independent living centers, I wanted to talk about the fantastic visit I had to Access Living, which I was so impressed when I visited Marca in Chicago and saw this unbelievable uh, building therein with, I want to add, that beautiful artwork that you have. Um, But I thought I'd let you talk for a few minutes about Access Living, and then when you're finished, how anyone listening to the show can make a contribution? Okay. Well, first off, um, one, what
3: you do in the building is the most important. Mm-hmm. So wherever you are, the caliber and quality of the work that you do with and on behalf of people with disabilities is the measure against which I think we evaluate ourselves. However, we had been constrained by our prior um, uh, physical sites. Uh, every time uh, our lease would come up, um, we would have grown and the rents would have gone up so much that we had to move. And we kept being forced further and further from the city center, uh, which was really a challenge for our clients being able to get to us. Uh, we wanted to be in a centrally located area. So we finally bit the bullet and decided we were going to try to uh, get our own home. Uh, a place for our organization, and I should also underscore that centers are not residential facilities. They're community organizations. Um, So about seven years ago, our board made the decision to do so, and we set about uh, raising funds and developing and designing our new state-of-the-art headquarters building. It is uh, We organized around two goals, um, uh, thematic goals. One to make it a universally designed facility, and two, to make it a green or sustainable facility. Those two design concepts, uh, as well as our space needs and our functional needs, guided the process, uh, and we took occupancy a little over two years ago of our um, 44,000 square foot uh, green and universally designed building. We've won Several awards for both are uh, the level of accessibility within the building, as well as the uh, gold lead certification. We're really proud of it. Um, it's um, it also showcases. Uh, let me say something. Once we had this building, um, the building kind of changed us in ways that we hadn't expected, um, positively. First, we had enough space now to really be a convening. So our facility is used frequently for town hall meetings, not only our own, but others. For example, this week, um, our regional transportation authority had a community uh, meeting here with lots of disabled people listening to presentations on the dire paratransit funding situation. We were uh, an election site. Not only for the early elections here in Chicago, but the general election—five precincts voted here—in what I have to believe was one of the most accessible polling places in the world. And
2: hey, Mar- hey, Marka, I'm going to yes. interrupt just one minute there because I think we have a caller on the line for you. Okay. We have our caller on the line. Uh, I am. Tony, go ahead.
4: Uh, Joyce, it's great to call in and. Uh, Tony hey, Coelho,
2: it is great to hear your
4: voice. Hi, Tony. Hi, Marka. Uh I just wanted all of Joyce's listeners to know uh, just what a great, great voice you are for uh, the disability movement and what, uh, you know, I was at your facility, uh, what, in the last year. Uh, and at what the a Pride facility, Parade. What a great facility it is, so, um, but I just, uh, more than that, I just wanted um, all of Joyce's listeners know just what a great, great leader you are. Not only obviously for uh, Chicago and Illinois, but what a great national and international leader you are for our community. Uh, I can say because I've been involved uh, in the whole effort. Uh, 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 Mark is the key person responsible for making sure that the president to sign the uh, UN resolution or at least get in the process moving so that we uh, get that process started so we can go to the Senate to get the treaty ratified and so forth. But Marco Bristow mm-hmm. is the key voice, the key leader in making all that happen and uh, she's a great, great person to work with. So Mark, I love you. Thank you for all you do for our community. I just wanted to be able to say that Uh, quickly today.
3: Thank you, Tony. And one thing you know about me is I always speak up, right? I want to say that um, while I know I played a part in this, the real reason that um, Senator Obama and now President Obama signed this was because the disability community prior to his election made it an issue and uh, advocated for its passage. And I I know all of us who've uh, played any sort of leadership role or who have access to anybody in an elected position play our own role, but we can only um, move things if there's a constituency that's really put it there in the first place. And I wanna thank you, Tony, for um, all that you've done over the years for people with disabilities. You've been, as I said earlier, a mentor to me. And as Tony could tell you, if the walls could talk, sometimes we don't agree. But that's what I love about you, Tony. You you allow for that um, intellectual exchange until we come up with what the, the best solution is. And uh, you and Justin and uh, Judy Human and Ed Roberts and oh so many other people have meant the world to a whole generation of us. And if, if we can take the lessons that we've learned from each of you and pass them along... Um, I think that's part of our responsibility. So thank you,
4: Tony. Oh, thank you. Um, So, Joyce, I had to get back to a board meeting, but I did want to call in uh, and tell you that you have a a great guest today. So um, I hope your show continues to uh, do well today with Mark on. It's got to. So uh, great to be with you again today.
2: Thank you, Tony, for, as usual, taking time for all of us. We love you. Thank you.
3: Bye-bye. We were talking about the center and when, uh, Tony was out in Chicago when you were here, Joyce, was we were having the Pride Parade here in Chicago. I want to underscore that that is not an Access Living sponsored event, even though a lot of, uh, people from Access Living work on it. It's an event that's organized once a year by the real grassroots of Chicago's disability community. And last night I was looking at the blog that, um, I'm sorry, the YouTube uh, video that was up about this, and lo and behold, getting back to the international exchange, our colleagues in Oslo, Norway, who had been here on a, um, for an exchange with Access Living to learn about what we do here, their YouTube video is up of their Pride Parade, which looked extraordinary, uh, showing once again how our little work that we do locally can have a really important uh, global effect. And if I could, I just wanted to finish the thought I was making about the accessible polling place. Um, the day that everybody came, we had 7,000 voters come through our office to vote. Um, they were voting in our uh, gallery space. And at the time, the Chicago Disability History exhibit was on the walls of that voting uh, mm. voting area. And it was so powerful, to watch so many people come through and learn about the history of people with disabilities starting from the 1700s on up to the present day. I have had so many comments from strangers on the street who will come up to me and say, I voted in your office, and what an awesome effect that art exhibit had. And I know, Joyce, you wanted me to mention that. We have um, had the uh, honor of having one of our staff, Riva Lair, who's an uh, incredibly uh, wonderful professional artist with a disability and a leader in her field, uh, curate a collection that's been uh, donated or loaned to us by artists, uh, professional artists uh, with disabilities. And uh, next in October we are doing something very new for us. We will be having a joint uh, uh, art uh, performance at Chicago's Harris Theater headlining a soloist from um, Scotland by the name of Dame Evelyn Glennie. Evelyn is a deaf percussionist, and we're bringing her to Chicago to perform with the Sao Paulo Orchestra as a fundraiser for Access Living. And uh, when we do these things, it's not only to raise money, it's to raise visibility and to raise awareness. Um, and you asked how people could be involved in supporting us. I think the single most important thing I could say is at the local level, rededicate yourself to the local advocacy that you do. Uh, look for ways to move, challenge yourself to take it to the next level. Um, you know, we, of course, always uh, appreciate people's, uh, support of our work but at the end of the day the real change happens at the local level and therefore if listeners are uh, moved by something that we're doing here I urge you to go to the National Council on Independent Living site ncil.org find out if there's a local center for independent living in your community and if there is reach out to see how you can help them
2: not surprised that that would be your advice. Marca, if you had one message to leave with our listeners today, what would it be? Well, wow.
3: Justin always used to tell me that my message was <clears throat> never give up, never ever give up. <laughs> and I, I think the reason he always reminded me that that was what I taught him was because we always face adversity. And what I know about our community is there's something about the disability experience that has seasoned us to know how to deal with adversity. And these are challenging times. We have staying power. Uh, The tenacity of our movement is what has brought us the changes we've seen to date And we are gonna need that staying power, that belief in ourselves, that belief in the cause that we work for. As we watch state budgets decimated as they're being done here in Illinois, our entire personal assistant program operated by our center just had its budget eliminated. And while the state will continue to provide personal assistant services to consumers, What they got from us was something unique, how to hire, how to fire, the training of personal assistants with the philosophy of nothing about us without us, that's an irreplaceable part of the program. And we cannot sit back and watch either advances that we'd hoped for not happen or things that we've already had whittled away without speaking out. So I guess my main message is to remember that Dr. King said a threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And And
2: Marka, I thank you so much for being with us. But because you were the guest today, we have to end with the quote, lead on. And, Marka, we know you're carrying Justice spirit forward. Thank you so much for being with us.
3: Thank you very much for the opportunity, Joyce. Keep up the uh, good work. All
2: right. Listen, see you next week. This is Joyce Bender on Disability Matters. Remember, be the change. Bye-bye. <laughs>
5: Voice
1: America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.